Well, what an exciting time to be at LifeSpring Church. I kind of think it's always an exciting time to be at LifeSpring Church. I'm a little biased, maybe, but I really do think right now is a wonderful time to be attending LifeSpring. I love what God is doing here at the church. We have an evangelism class starting today. I love that. Ray, thank you so much for being obedient to the Lord and teaching us on evangelism. It's a four-week class. If you haven't signed up, you can still go. Even if you haven't signed up, I would encourage you to come. This is how you know if you should come or if you shouldn't come. Right now, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him if you should attend today. And do whatever He says. Don't stress out about it. Don't get condemned about it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just ask the Lord. Just ask God and do what He says. Listening to the Holy Spirit, being obedient to what he says, it is so important. Living by the Spirit of God, living by the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead you, I believe it's the only way to live as a Christian. The Spirit-filled life is the Christian life. You cannot convince me otherwise. If you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and most of us in this room do, you can't just, just kind of live this life. You must follow the Lord's leadings and promptings. You must. If you aren't, I would just say this. What are you doing? What are you doing? I can tell you what you aren't doing. You aren't living the life God has called you to live. There's a good chance your life is going to be in chaos and that your life is going to be a little miserable. When God is calling you to go this way and you're living your life and going this way, anyone in this room ever try that? Me too. It's rough. It's rough. We must be daily filled with the Holy Spirit, choosing to be obedient to his promptings. You know, I try to live this way. Many of you in this room, I know, try to live this way as well. You can always tell a person who is in their word, who's praying, who's worshiping, who is living by the Spirit. They're the ones who are always praying for people. Don't you know? They're the ones that are sending out those encouraging emails. They're making those phone calls. They're going out of their way to help each other out. Remember Pastor Andrew who spoke here about a year ago? He's up in Tacoma. Well, he, he came about, well, he didn't come, but a couple months ago, I'm driving and he calls me out of the blue. He says, Dan, I was in my car and the Lord told me I was supposed to call you. So he calls me and we talk and he prays for me. A couple of years ago, my sister Joy, she's the closest to me out of the siblings that I have. And I called her up. I said, you know, hi, Joy. And she said, hi, Dan. And then finally I said, oh, I got nothing to say. I just felt like I was supposed to call you. And you know, she began to open up. She began to open up and share what was going on in her life. And I was able to pray for her. You know, if you're living by the Spirit of God, you will be praying for people all the time. I guarantee you that. You will. Think about this week alone. Everyone in this room who is a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the past week. I can guarantee you there was at least one person that the Lord laid on your heart this past week. I'd encourage you in those times, in that moment, pray. Pray. Pray boldly. Pray with confidence for that person that the Lord has laid on your heart. Pray without reservation. Pray without hesitation. Pray. Pray. People often ask me, Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan, I just don't know how to live by the Spirit. Or Pastor Dan, I'm just not very Spirit-led. Well, guess what? I'm going to make it very simple for you this morning. If you pray for somebody that the Lord puts on your heart, you've just been led by the Spirit. You have. And when everyone is spirit led and when everyone begins to encourage one another and pray for one another and love one another, amazing things happen. They do. And we begin to see the fruit of the spirit 
all around us. The fruit of the Spirit. I want to remind us real quick what the fruit of the Spirit is or the evidence of the Spirit in your life. If we could go ahead and put that up on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit, let's say this together, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What I love about the fruit of the Spirit, it isn't about us. It isn't. When you look at that list of words, I mean, look at them. When, when you look at these words, these words are acted out in the context of community, aren't they? They are in relationship with others. These benefit others. It's for those who we share our lives with. If you read the chapter in Galatians that, uh, where the fruit of the Spirit passage comes from, Paul is talking about the difference between living by your flesh and living by the Spirit. Living by the flesh compared to living by the Spirit. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But don't use that freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use it to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, use it to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. If you read the Bible and it says the entire law, all those pages in the Bible are summed up in the one command. Wouldn't your ears perk up? Wouldn't you just be like, I want to know what you have about to say to me? Because there's a lot of pages in that Bible. And it's kind of confusing sometimes. One command. Maybe it's just confusing for me. but One command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you bite and devour each other, listen to this warning. You bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. You bite and devour each other, you will be destroyed by each other. That is the outcome of living by the flesh. Harsh words to be true, but Paul, you can see he is making a point. You don't live by the Spirit of God, and you will destroy each other. That's a promise. All we have to do is look at the world around us and we can see what it looks like without Christ, right? The way people are living in this world without Christ, it allows us to see the truth in that statement. Don't live by the Spirit and you will destroy each other. Oh, but Paul says there's another way. There's another way. The way of the Holy Spirit. The way of God. The way of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Walk by the Spirit. Allow the fruit of the Spirit just to be all over you in everything you say, in everything you do. Let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in your life. Paul says, against these things, there is no law. Isn't that true? Look at that list again. Against these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control against those things, there is no law. And isn't that the truth? Look at that list. There's no law against these things. That's how we want to live. In Romans, Paul says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. That's life spring. That's life spring. We live according to the Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Would you say that with me? We live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Let's say it again. We live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Amen? Amen. Amen. Spirit-filled living. 
spirit-filled living. It should always define us as a church. The day that life springs ceases to live by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, I'm calling the morgue because we are officially dead. We are. We're dead. Close the doors. We're dead. I pray that day would never happen and never come. There are examples all over this sanctuary, even now, as of people sitting here that are filled with the Spirit, living Spirit-filled lives. There's a local pastor who the Lord put on my heart this, this last week, actually a couple weeks ago, knew I was supposed to help him out. I knew it. I met with him last Saturday at Starbucks, told him what the Lord had told me to do for him, and he just started crying because it was a miracle to him. It was a miracle, but it was a spirit-led miracle. You can write that down if you're taking notes. Spirit-led miracle. The reason the miracle happened was because I was being obedient and led by the Spirit. The other day, one of you handed one of our pastors an anonymous gift. And you said, this gift is for a family in our church. Don't tell them who it's from. That is a spirit-led miracle. That actually happens quite often in this church. Last year, one of you flat out paid, I love this, for an entire youth camp registration because God was leading you to send a kid to camp to learn about Jesus. A spirit-led miracle. I call these spirit-led miracles. They are miracles that take place in our lives because somebody else decided to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Real quick, raise your hand if you are the byproduct, if you are a Christian today because someone personally invited you to church or somebody personally told you about Jesus. Go ahead and raise your hand. Look around the room, which is ridiculous that we put such emphasis on this show that we do on Sunday morning when really the way we reach people is like, hey, brother, I see that you're kind of depressed. Well, can I pray for you? Yeah, you can pray for me. Hey, now we're Christians. Yay. <laughs> Though, speaking of that, this is totally sidetracked, but the coolest salvation experience I ever had was this guy. He's a chef at Black Angus in Spokane. He tells me, he goes, one of my workers is going to come to the 10 o'clock service. We had four services at the time. He's going to come to the 10 o'clock service and he's going to give his life to the Lord. I said, okay. No joke. 10 o'clock service, walks down the aisle. He goes, I'm here to receive the Lord as my Lord and Savior. I was like, well, let's pray. You're at the right place. And so we all laid hands on him. And, Do you remember that? Oh, my goodness. That was great. But spirit-led miracles. My mother, some of you know my mom. She wrote this pamphlet. It's about 60 pages long. It's called God Calling. She wrote it for her kids about 13 years ago. In this booklet, it's all about her life being led by the Spirit. Literally, it's story after story after story after story of her listening to the Holy Spirit in her life. I wanted to read you just one story. She's talking about her grandpa. She says, my dad was going out of town for Boeing over Thanksgiving weekend. Her dad worked at Boeing. So we decided to celebrate Thanksgiving early. Before dinner, I realized that I had forgotten the whipping cream for my pies, and I went to the store. As I passed my Aunt Eddie's house, I thought of my grandpa, who was staying there, and I told myself I should go see him later that day. Although I passed the house by, when I reached the corner, the thought came to me that I should go back and see him right then. Tried to push the suggestion aside, but I could not get around the idea that I must see him immediately. After turning the car around, I returned to the house. As I approached the house, I realized that my aunt and uncle's car was gone. Inside, I saw my grandpa lying on the couch, and I heard a couple of kids playing in the back bedroom. We were alone, a strange occurrence in this busy household. When I looked at grandpa, a tremendous feeling of love and sorrow nearly overwhelmed me. I knelt down beside him, cradled him in my arms and as one would a child, and I sang to him. These are the words that I sang to him. Something beautiful, something good. All of your confusion, Jesus understood. All you have to offer him is brokenness and strife. 
but it'll make something beautiful out of my grandpa's life. She also sang, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take my sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. After I sang, she says, grandpa was sobbing and shaking. I told him that God understood him. God knew all the hurt and the pain in his life, all the anger. He understood. He wanted grandpa to lay it down and just give it all to him. We prayed together and grandpa accepted Jesus into his life. Two weeks later, my grandpa died. He had a heart attack in the night. He died in my uncle Phil's arms. Every other time he'd been really sick or having a heart attack, he had showed great fear. This time, he simply smiled and he fell asleep in Jesus. At the funeral, I sang these same songs and gave grandpa's testimony. I knew he would want people to know what God had done for him. Isn't that awesome? I love that. And I said that many of you in this room are examples of being spirit-led. There's somebody in this room. Where is he? He's over here. I'm going to invite him up in just a second. Lane and Dion. If you guys know Lane and Dion, an amazing couple, completely just surrendered to the Lord and to his Holy Spirit. Lane is always talking to me about the things that the Lord is laying on his heart. And Lane is a wonderful example of someone that is just obedient, whether it makes sense or not. He's just obedient to the Lord. So I've actually asked him if he would come up and share a couple of those stories. So would you welcome Lane with me? Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be amongst family this morning. You know, it's uh, it's such an awesome up. Okay, thank you. All right. It's such an awesome privilege to be invited to speak to you this morning and to just to be used by by the Lord once again. Um, I don't know how he. <laughs> How he used a, a wretch like me to eventually be standing up here in front of you. But um, before I get too sidetracked, I'm gonna, I'd really like to uh, just tell my wife in front of you all how much I, I love and adore her. She's the greatest gift that the Lord has ever given me, and I wouldn't be standing here without her. So to my wife, Dion, thank you. I love you. Thank you. She serves me, she serves me with all of her heart, all of her mind, and all of her soul. Well, I've had an amazing opportunity here over the last three weeks or so to, uh, to be able to be used by the Lord um, to bless our community out. As, as many of you know, uh, the spring fair is coming up, and, you know, my mom, God bless her heart, she is... She's a seeker, if anything. And funny thing is, she swears she didn't drop me. <laughs> I have an eye for detail that is awkward. I, I see the world in terms of what needs to be cleaned. Whether it's windows, gutters, pressure washing, cars, boats. Again, mom swears she didn't drop me. Um, at any rate, this morphed into um, me seeing how obviously filthy the sidewalks were around the Washington State Fair. 
And I thought, Lord, how can we bless this community? This is such a gorgeous little community. Isn't Puyallup great? Isn't Puyallup and Edgewood great? I mean, amen. The Lord is so good to this community. And it can look so much better. It can. We can serve this community to clean it up. So he laid on my heart. Let's go out there and burn some incense for the people that will walk onto this ground. Let's reclaim Puyallup and the fair. Let's reclaim this holy ground. And so he used the pressure washer that he gifted me out with so long ago uh, and used the time that I have on my hands and turned it into his he turned that water that shoots through the pressure washer into his blood. And he reclaimed that ground around the Washington State Fair as holy ground so that the feet that will walk on that will be blessed, that they may come to know him. Don't you know that we serve a Lord that is so good that he died that we might come to know him? Those that are seeking his face might come to know him. Oh, he's a good God. What a privilege to serve. Thank you so much for allowing me to share just a bit of testimony. And thank you for uh, putting up with my, my chopped sentences and uh, inability to speak with eloquence. But I love you, family. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Get me all choked up, Lane. Got a sermon to preach. <laughs> Woo! Lane just gets me going. He, I mean, I love you, Lane. I just love what you're doing for this community, and I thank you so much. He's uh, secretly pressure washed uh, outside in our sidewalks, not letting anybody know. He's pressure washed some of your houses, not letting anybody know. I mean, just this guy is amazing. Don't be afraid of trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, many of us stress out about whether we heard from God or not. Do you ever do that? Well, was it God or wasn't it God? We get all worked up. A, a pastor friend of mine in Spokane, he was kind of always borderline objectionable, but it made life interesting, you know, and fun living with him. But he always would say this, if you questioned whether it was God or whether it was gas. So whether it was God speaking to you or the Ranchitos from the night before. <laughs> And, you know, because of these fears of getting it wrong, we play it safe or we think we're playing it safe by not listening to God. Right. Not being obedient to what God has called us to do. So some of us completely write off the voice of God. Stop living that way. Stop playing it safe. What are you doing? It's going to sound harsh, but it's the truth. When you turn a deaf ear to the voice of God, you are not living the life God has called you to live. You're not. You are a malnourished version of what God has created you to be. You have not allowed the living water to flow in your life. God has called you to more, to live a life that is full of the spirit, full of his supernatural leadings, full of those spirit led miracles. Don't settle for anything less. You know, when I'm struggling, when I'm in my own funk, when I'm getting down and discouraged, do you know what the best medicine is for that? It's when I pray to the God, when I pray to God and I ask him, Lord, who can I bless today? Lord, who can I tell about Jesus? Who can I encourage? Who can I love? Who can I pray for today? And I've learned this from several people. One from my mom, 
who always was serving others, even though she has had a lifetime of chronic illness after chronic illness. I've, I've read those letters from Paul. The Bible has really encouraged me. I read those letters of Paul, like Ephesians, where he wrote them probably in, in prison, right? He wrote them while in prison, and yet these letters are always showing concern for others, right? He's praying for others' faith. He's praying for others' salvation in prison. If there was ever a time to be thinking about yourself and not others, it would be while in prison. But Paul, he continues to pray for others. And then three, I've witnessed people like Sandy and John and Ray Wright and countless others who, wow, you have gone through some really difficult life situations. Yet even while in the hospital, I know you guys continue to lift others up in prayer. You continue to ask God how you might be a blessing to others even in the midst of your real and serious pain. And so these are my heroes. These are my heroes of the faith that have encouraged me that when I'm down, and we all get down, right? Come on, let's not get all hyper-spiritual. We all get down. But that in those times, I can just begin to pray to the Lord. And when I do, regardless of those life circumstances, that he would begin to just reveal people to me, begin to lay different individuals on my heart. And I would pray and I would email, I'd make a phone call. And all of a sudden that woe is me attitude would turn around. Once was once a depressing Eeyore kind of day would instead morph into something beautiful, into a life full of purpose, meaning and fulfillment. And sure, when being led by the Spirit, sometimes you, I guess, miss it or make a mistake. You ever make a mistake? It happens. It does. One time I was in this prayer meeting a couple of years ago. I mean, this was a prayer meeting. And the lady's just going for it next to me. I mean, she's really prophesying over me. And, and the, to be honest, she's just declaring these amazing things about me, you know, blah, 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 blah. Pretty exciting. By the time she's done, we're all pretty excited. Well, except for me. Everyone else was really excited about what she was saying. And, and so the leader, being a good leader, asked, you know, Dan, did any of that resonate with you? And I said, uh, actually, no. Um, it was actually him that shared about that earlier. <laughs> it wasn't me. And it was true. She, she thought it was me, but it was the guy next to me. And so she was saying everything over the wrong guy. And she was embarrassed, right? Totally embarrassed. Got all red, apologizing. Do you think I cared? Do you think I got offended and got up and left? No, of course I didn't. It was okay. I wasn't scarred for life. We worked it out. <laughs> we worked it out. As long as the fruit of the Spirit is evident in you, it's going to be okay. Relax. It's going to be okay, even if you miss it. Let's say I come to you and I, I don't know, Jonathan, I come to you and say, man, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I feel like the Lord told me I was supposed to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And he said, no. <laughs> I'm doing great, Pastor Dan. Well, if I come to you full of the Spirit, with the evidence of joy and love and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things, odds are it's still going to be an okay interaction, isn't it? You're not going to say, Pastor Dan, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Probably not going to say that. But you know, you might say this, Pastor Dan, I'm doing great. But man, it means a lot to know you're thinking about me. And you know what? I could actually use some prayer. So thanks for praying. I can use all the prayer I can get. It might go something like that. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Live by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit is rich and satisfying. Again, I would say it's the only way to live this life. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to His Holy Spirit. Pray to Him. Pray to Him. Pray this. Pray, Lord, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let Your will be done 
And thank you, Jesus, for letting me have a part to play in accomplishing your will. Lord Jesus, lead me by your spirit. Lord Jesus, lead me as you advance your kingdom on this earth. Amen? Amen. And for all of us who have been Christians, here's the deal. For every one of us in this room has had somebody say something to us that was completely inappropriate. Right? Where they said it was from the Lord. Ever have that stupid thing happen to you? Oh my goodness. It drives me nuts. And people can do some damage by saying, you know, the Lord told me to do this. Or the Lord told me to do that. A buddy of mine... This is a great story. He had a girl come up to him after a concert he was performing, and she told him that the Lord had told her that they were supposed to be married, which is pretty bold, but hey, that's cool. But he said, well, you're going to have to talk to my wife about that. (laughs) So we all say dumb things from time to time. Maybe in that instance, instead of it being God, it really was gas. (laughs) But don't let that scare you away from being led and living by the Holy Spirit. We're going to jump back into this later, but right now I want to get back into the book of Ephesians. Open up to the first chapter of Ephesians, verse 15. And while you do that, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, reveal to us by your Spirit what you want to speak to us today. That we would not be afraid to live by your Spirit, but we would find joy in being obedient to what you've called us to do. I declare this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul, he's just finished describing these spiritual blessings that are found only in Christ Jesus. We've covered that over the past four to five weeks. Verses 3 through 14 hit you with wave after wave after wave of the many blessings that are found in Christ and Christ alone. Adam was spot on, by the way, when he said that I could spend a whole year on those 11 verses alone. You bet. Read them again. Read them again this week. If you wonder who Jesus is, if you wonder what he's done for you, read them again. In those verses, you will discover the purpose of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ. That in Christ, we have the blessings of election, of being chosen, of sonship and adoption. We have the blessings of redemption, forgiveness, justification in Christ. And we have the seal of the Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. I'm getting excited just talking about these truths again. I mean, come on. You start out, listen, all of these blessings that we have in Christ, and you can't help but be encouraged. What we have in Christ is good news. I would never run out of things to say about those verses. In fact, I could preach on those verses until my dying day. And you better believe Paul is as excited as I am. I bet you he's even more excited because he's not done. Listen to verse 15. He says, for this reason, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but the one to come. And God placed all things, say all things, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. 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 
Paul says, you better believe that I'm excited that I am in Christ. And I want you to know him better so that you can be excited too. Come on. So let's get all our minds under these first couple of verses that I just read. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time on today. Paul is excited. In verses 15 and 16, he says, man, ever since I heard about your faith in Jesus, and ever since I heard about your love for all God's people, since then I have not stopped giving thanks for you. In fact, when I pray, I always remember to pray for you. Jason, are you in here? Jason, Dre, raise your hand. Jason, you rededicated your life to the Lord just over a couple years ago. It hasn't been perfect. I'm sure you've made some mistakes. But you know, Jason, when I see you, I get excited. I do. I get excited because ever since you put your faith in Jesus, ever since you started loving on God's people, serving the church, pouring your life out for God and for others, I give thanks to the Lord every time I see you. In fact, and you know this, buddy, I pray for you all the time. Jamie, Jamie, you've been a Christian for how long have you been a Christian now? Since you got baptized, so about six months ago. And you know what? I'm excited about you. I'm excited about your life in Christ. Ever since you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you started loving on God's people and serving and blessing all of us, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Jamie, I pray for you all the time. So verse 13 says, Jamie and Jason, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Guess what? You, Jamie and Jason, are in Christ. You are his son and daughter. You are adopted. You are chosen. You are forgiven. You are redeemed and justified and sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about, right? In verses 3 through 14. But Paul's not done. In verse 17, he says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you, Jason and Jamie, may know him better. So he says, yes, Jason, yes, Jamie, yes, Dan, yes, Adam, yes, Jonathan. Yes, I'm excited that you have faith in Jesus. Yes, I'm excited that you love God's people. But I keep asking, Paul would say. In fact, I never stop asking. I am continually asking God to give you the spirit of and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Because so that you, Jason and Jamie and Dan and Adam and Jonathan may know God better. Paul wants us all to know God better. As Christians, we should always be eager to grow in our knowledge of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet, so many of us as Christians, we accept Christ. We become that new creation that 2 Corinthians talks about, what that song talks about. And then we stop growing in the things of God. Or maybe we don't stop growing, but our growth is hardly noticeable. I had an incredible meeting with one of you this week. Totally fired me, fired me up. And I was able to share how we as Christians are meant to be lifelong learners. We should never stop learning. And in my years as a pastor, I've met so many 40 and 50, 60-year-old Christians that love Jesus. They do, and they talk about Jesus. But all their wisdom and all their knowledge seems to come from what they learned in Sunday school decades upon decades ago. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that Mrs. Potts taught well in Sunday school in 1962. I remember what I learned in Sunday school too. But if that's, if that's the only resource and the only well that we draw knowledge from to live this life, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. The Christian walk is a daily walk, 
with the Lord, where the Holy Spirit is continually leading us back to the Scriptures, leading us back to Jesus, who reveals to us the Father. The Christian walk is one where we are growing, where we are learning, where we're allowing that discipline of God to do a good work in us. You know, the Christian walk is not stagnant. The Christian walk is alive. It's an everyday opportunity to get to know God just a little bit better. That's what Paul is praying for. Think of it this way. In your profession, you would be a fool to stop learning or studying. No doctor would stop learning after they graduate from med school. My sister's a doc and she is always learning. She's going to conferences. She's reading books. You wouldn't want to go to a doctor who isn't growing in the wisdom and knowledge in their profession. Can you imagine a pastor leading a church who only relied on his studies from a theological class he took 10 years ago? That would be absurd. That would be crazy. Just this week, I was reading a book on the science behind the decision-making process. I was reading another research book on willpower. I just finished a book called Jesus Is by Judah Smith. I'm heading to a conference this upcoming week for young leaders. Always growing, always learning in my profession. You do the same for your job. I know you do. You guys are hard workers. You care about your job. And that's just a job. The Christian life is way more important than a job. The two don't even compare. I pray that one of the defining characteristics of life at Life Spring would that be we strive to know God better every day. Just like I strive to get to know my friends and family better, my kids better, my beautiful wife better, to know her more than I did yesterday. I hope that I'm doing that. I pray that I'm doing that and much, much more for my relationship with God. I pray that over this church as well. And Paul is praying the exact same thing. He wants us to come alive in Christ to know God better. Paul's not done. Verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He goes on to say that's the same great power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul wants us to know that power. In those four verses that I just read, do you see how much Paul is praying He's praying. I mean, he, he, he says that he's never stopped giving thanks for you. He says that I remember you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened. Paul is praying without ceasing for these Christ followers. He prays again and again and again and again. When was the last time that you prayed for somebody without ceasing? For some of you, I know you guys are just prayer warriors. It was probably last night in the middle of the night. But for those, the rest of us, when was the last time that we could honestly say we sat down and prayed for another person? We have so much to learn from the Apostle Paul. Don't stop praying. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may be opened. When he's talking about your heart, he's talking more than just your emotions or your intellect or your understanding. He's saying the very essence of who you are. So that you, Adam, or you, Deanna, that who you are, the core of your personality, may be opened to the things of God. That you would be opened to the things of God so that you might know these three things. Number one, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The call of the eternal God. His calling brings us a hope for today and the hope of eternal life. 
There is a hope in his calling. It's not that wishful thinking kind of hope, hoping it all turns out okay in the end. No, it is an assured hope that every one of us can count on because every one of us in this room who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior have that deposit of the Holy Spirit who is guaranteeing us our future inheritance. That's a real hope. That's a real hope, not just for this life on this earth, but also a hope that promises us life with God forever. Number two, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I think he wants us to know a couple of things here. He wants us to know and understand the abundance of spiritual things we're entitled to as children of God. The infinite, inexhaustible riches of being found in Christ, being adopted in God's family. Riches and glory that go well beyond our time on this earth. A heavenly inheritance that is rich beyond belief. But he also wants us to know that we are God's possession. We belong to somebody. Did you know that? Did you know that we belong to somebody? We have his seal on us. I think that is the coolest imagery ever, that we have the seal of the Lord on us. We belong to somebody. By that deposit of the Holy Spirit, we have this foretaste of heaven on this earth. Even after we are gone from this earth, we are his forever. And number three, Paul wants us to know God's incomparably great power. For us who believe he goes on to say that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul wants us to know and to experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in full confidence. I believe we are experiencing that power at life spring. I really do because a church can only function in health and function in fruitfulness By the power of God. There is no other way. That's what being led by the Holy Spirit is all about. To be sure, the the power of God is displayed in many forms and in many ways, but through creation and events. But did you know that the power of God is displayed through you? Did you know that? It's kind of humbling, right? But it is. The power of God is displayed through you. Look at the Bible. We see God's power in the Bible displayed again and again through men and women of the faith. The power of God was on display through the Apostle Paul when he ministered to that jailer and his family in Acts 16, telling him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That whole household believed. They were all baptized because of the power of God. The power of God was on display in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John are thrown before the Sanhedrin. The Bible tells us Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke with a boldness. In Acts 4.13 he says, now when they saw, when the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus, the supernatural power of God on display. The power of God was on display when Peter preached his first sermon and 3,000 people believed. It was on display when Apollos, he refuted his Jewish opponents through public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. The power of God was on display through Stephen as he was being stoned to death. The Bible tells us he cried out with a loud voice before he died, Lord, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The power of God was on display in the disciples when they ran back to the tomb and they saw that Jesus was gone. All that was laying there were strips of linen and cloth that had wrapped around Jesus' head. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and me this morning. The power of God is on display. Hallelujah. 
There's no other way to live. No other way to live. I spent my whole life thinking I just was going to live this life and put the Holy Spirit in my pocket and walk with the Holy Spirit. What a foolish way to live. The Holy Spirit is my life. I died and now Christ lives in me. We must live a Holy Spirit filled life where we make room for him to lead us and to guide us. I guess you could still live where you're trying to remember what Mrs. Potts told you back in Sunday school when you were 12. I'd say, no, there's another way. There's another way. Make room for him in your life. Read your Bible. Worship the Lord. Pray to God. As you live for God in obedience to his voice, you will be used, I can promise you, in supernatural ways for the glory of God and his kingdom. Do you believe that? I sure do. I believe that every day is a miracle from God, full of his wonders and full of his glory. And when I say, not my will, Lord Jesus, but your will be done, God hears that prayer. And I think he says something like this. Sounds good to me, Dan. Let's get to work. And he gives us by his Holy Spirit, his power, his power to accomplish his will on this earth. Do you believe that? One of the best ways to put this into practice is to pray for one another. It's God's will for us to pray for one another. The prayers of a righteous man are both powerful and effective. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to break into groups, two, three, four, five, whatever makes you feel comfortable. I don't want you to be awkward here. I, I want you to enjoy this time together. But there's two focuses I want for these prayers. Number one would be this. Some of you right now need a feeling of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Lord to just fall on you, that you would receive new gifts in the Spirit of God. Some of you need a reminder that God's not dead. You love church, you love people, but you're not convinced that your God is alive. And so some of you might just need to ask for prayer, that God would remind you and show you that He's alive by His Holy Spirit. So I want you to pray for that. If if you need the Holy Spirit to come into your life in a new and fresh way, ask for prayer for that. Number two, many of you come in today with a sickness or some other real issue. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a relational issue. There's issues that you came in with today. Today is the day that I believe God wants to heal you, that he would want to break those chains, that he would want to bring the comfort by his Holy Spirit. And there are spirit-led people here today that would love to pray for you. Do not be afraid of allowing the Lord to minister his spirit to you. Be open to the things of the spirit. It is the only way to live this life. The only way, any other way, is substandard to what God has called you to live. I am convinced of that. So that's what we're going to do. I want God's best for you today. I want you to come alive in Christ. I want Monday morning to be exciting. I want you to wake up Monday morning and stop being so depressing. I want you to be excited about what God is doing in and through you, that the Holy Spirit would come alive in each and every one of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.